This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Empire. Thought you knew, but you have no idea. It's the urban sports scene. You are listening to the urban sports scene, and we are part of Empire Media. That's AmpireMedia.com. I'm Wole, and I'm joined by my co-host, Will T. What's good, Will T? Nothing much, man. Just another day. Join life. I know, right? How about yourself? It's good, man. It was like I was talking off air with you. Like I finally saw the flash, and I was like, you know what? I'm keeping the buck. I was disappointed. It could have been better. Yeah, very disappointed. Extremely disappointed. But I told you that, man. Yes, you I did. told you after I watched it, <laughs> you thought I was being a hater. <laughs> I just gave you an unbiased opinion of uh, of a comic that touched. You know that. That you know, um, it's part of my childhood. Yeah. So you know, there's that kind of you know that that perspective that I'm looking at it through, and then I'm just looking at it as just you know a movie critic, a a movie, not necessarily a movie critic, but someone who likes a good movie with a nice storyline and visuals, and it just fell short on a lot of aspects, in my opinion. It did. You know, I like the graphics. I mean, about I, I like the graphics. I like the whole. I mean, I, like 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 I mean, without going deep into it, like. They could have they could have done a lot with it. It had a lot of potential to be one of the best DC movies. Period. Though that's that's it's because the character is so fascinating. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just I'm gonna tell you something that did not disappoint. That came out this past week. What? I want I want to hear this. Killer Mike's Killer Mike's album, Michael. Oh really? It's that, good. That, yeah. I heard I heard yes. it was so. Someone told me that it was dope. Uh, yeah. I heard dope. Like, dope is an accurate description of it. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna check this out. Let me check it out. I mean, I got. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't pirate. I don't pirate stuff no more. So you know, now I get things I mean, legit just, way. I got Apple Music. I have it. You know yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. I have it. Just, like, oh, I have it now. You know, back in the day, I was that dude. You know what I'm saying? Oh, this is, oh yeah. You know, it's me and you, so it's we're we're uncut. You know what I'm saying? I was that nigga back in the day with that shit. I ain't, I ain't gonna hold it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm sorry. That's what I was with with the whole. With the whole music game, and oh yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it, man. Yeah, it's a dope album, man. Take the take the time to to listen to it, man. Sit with it, listen to it. It's a dope album. All right, man. All right, let me do let me do these reads real real quick, little T. All right, so all right, you want to do it? You start with start. With, you start off, bro. Yeah. Empire Media hosts multiple DMV podcasts, such as the John Con Report, hosted by ESPN. Washington Commanders Inside of John Com and Jones Football hosted by US Today Inside of Who? Mike Jones. That's right. <laughs> hey, subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Make sure you subscribe to the Urban Sports Scene YouTube channel as well. Uh, also, join our 
Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene, sports bloggers, sports podcasters, and sports debates. Don't forget to tweet us at Urban Sports Scene. Hit us up on IG at Urban Sports Scene and like our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. You know, I forgot something. You know, I forgot it. Anyway, also, I'm sorry. This podcast could be found on the Podcast DC app, the local app with hundreds of options in local news and health in the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all of the Amplifier shows as well as other great content. I mean, I'm sure other great uh, content. I'm geeking today, man. All right, did I, did I already do the podcast, uh, the uh, bloggers, our group, our Facebook group? Did I do that yep, already? Sure did. Sure right, thank did. you, sir. Hey, we'll see. <laughs> Let's get into our traditional pregame. <laughs> Here's what we have on tap. We'll talk about the Wizards trading Bradley Bill to the Phoenix Suns and Kristaps Porzingis uh, being traded to the Celtics. We'll discuss who we think the Wizards – also, we'll discuss who the Wizards should draft Thursday night, which is tomorrow is the, is the NBA draft. Finally, in our segment, HBCU Corner – we have a pre-taped interview with North Carolina Central University's women's basketball coach, Trisha Stafford Odom. All right, let's get right into it, man. Some big things happened on Sunday. The Washington Wizards traded star Bradley Bill, guard Jordan Gotham Goodwin, and forward Isaiah Todd to the Phoenix Suns for Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, and future second-rounder, second-round picks, and, a mul- and multiple pick swaps. Will T, are you in favor? Were you in favor of the deal? You think the Wizards did a I got. Thing? I have. A, I have. A, I have a better question. Oh, well, ask. Go ahead, bro. On a scale of one to ten, how happy were you? <laughs> happy. Uh, I think. Uh, I was. Well, happy is in the word for me for this one. I don't know. I just, I'm a little in the middle with this one. Uh, I think they could have gotten. Be- they could have done better. But I think just to get that get the get Bill off the books. I mean, from one to ten, I'll say I'm. I was a seven, a seven. Mm-hmm. I think a seven. I, I'm, I feel. I mean, in terms of because I'm from this, we from the area, from the DMV. I'm a Lakers fan, but you gonna always root for the home team. Any which way you gonna root for the home team? I I think that what this this new front office has done is like kind of you know they've subtracted a problem, not a problem. It's subtracted a, a figure that an individual that's not gonna help them become champions right because the goal in any organization any sports teams or whatever is that is to win a championship and this that and, and bradley bill no knock on bradley bill for that fantastic basketball player but at the same time if he's the guys you're one and you had to get him allocate all the money to him to be the one you're not going to gear yourself to be a champion so i for this team this organization i think they did themselves a, a big a big favor a, a big, they put themselves in a better situation to achieve the ultimate goal if they build it correctly. All right. So I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> Am I in favor of this deal for the Wizards? Um, I would have to say yes. Mm-hmm. And here's why. Um, we know Bradley Bill, um, he's just starting the first, I think this is is this the first year of the new contract that he signed? I'm not sure. I'm not I, sure I believe so. I could be. I could be wrong. Um, I have to double check mm-hmm. that and get back to everyone if I messed up. But he's starting the new contract. You're not going to get a lot from a guy that you're paying fifty million, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get um, multiple first, you know, multiple lottery picks um, and pick swaps for him. Right. Um, on top of that, on top of that, to put it kindly, 
although Bradley Bill has been a three-time All-Star, he was uh, two seasons ago, he was competing with Steph Curry until the last day of the league regular season for the scoring title. Um, he isn't the most accomplished star players, quote unquote star player. He hasn't taken, he hasn't shown the ability to take a team um, into the playoffs or even pass to get a team into the playoffs by himself as the lead or to get them into the second round. So when Phoenix provided this package for him, I, I was a little skeptical at first, but um, seeing as though this team will get salary cap relief, and this is something that I know you're probably going to laugh, but getting six second round picks is huge. Not, I'm not going to say huge. It, it's it's um it's an accomplishment because here's why. I think one of the people that you know that I praised in the past was Sam Hinkie. Yeah. Right for what he did with the process in Philadelphia, yeah. being able to strip it all the way down to the studs, have lots of salary cap. And then have um, multiple second round picks, and then with that salary cap space that he has, he um, he was able to facilitate trades for other teams and get salary, you know, take salary in and collect first round picks. And I think that this is the um, strategy that this new Wizards front office is targeting. Yeah, I mean, I just felt like they can get a, they could have gotten a, like a player like DeAndre Ayton or whatnot. But I'm not knocking them. I mean, I feel like you're not, you're not allocating. Now you're not. Uh, they're in a situation where they can strip this thing to the bare, to the to the bare, to its bare, right, to its bare core. Like it's right. it's it's naked. Like they're already naked now, basically. So now they well, can build. They can build what they want to build. They're not like. They're not they're not they're not hindered by anybody's contract. As much as I like a DeAndre Ayton, for instance, I'll use that example. I I do like DeAndre Ayton. I think he has a lot of potential, and a lot of talent. Um, but you're not you're not, not you're not ham you're not pigeonholed by him. You know what I mean? Now you can get somebody younger, a player that you can bid you get multiple players because of the, the the draft or players that you build within your own system to kind of like build a, build a champion, build a contender. You seen we see what we see OKC, the how they built their team. Um, they've always used their they've been compared to this model because of where um, Dawkins came from, right? Um, yep. So they've been compared to the model, um, and you know obviously it's a little different, right? Because you don't have a you don't have a trade where you had a Russell Westbrook get traded and you give you a a, a, a Gilchrist out a, a Gilchrist, right? A, just Alexander, right? How do you Shea Gil, yeah, Shea, Shea Gilgris, Alexander, Alexander. Exactly. SGA. Let's call him SGA. SGA, right? Yeah. So you don't have you don't have that you don't have that you couldn't make that type of trade, that type of deal. You don't have a, a future Hall of Famer to make that type of deal. Um but still you have an opportunity if you draft correctly, if you do some of the other things, that you can get yourself in that situation. You know, Shea SGA wasn't the number two, number one pick in the draft. He wasn't the number two pick in the draft. I believe he was like he was a lottery pick, but he was like late in the lottery. So you can make if you do if you draft correctly, you can get a player of that caliber and that elk to a point where you can build your organization, build your team to to be to you know be a contender without allocating so much money for a guy who ain't that dude. You know what I'm saying? So I to me, I think they did the right thing. Now I think about it, and also I mean we had Karita on Karita on the show last week. And she's, you know, it's hard to trade Bradley Bill to who you want to trade him to because he did have the no trade clause. 
Yeah, um, and if I remember correctly, Gildress Alexander was the 11th. Yeah, eleven. Yeah, he was a late. Yeah, he was a late. I know he was a late lottery pick. I can look that up too. He was a yeah. late lottery pick. I know that. But but here's also the plus side for the Wizards, right? You get Chris Paul. Mm. Chris Paul, um, even though he isn't the Chris Paul that we remember, um, you know, from ten years ago, even five years ago when he was with the Clippers, or um, helping to take that Houston Rockets team to the conference finals, mm-hmm. semifinals. Um, Conference finals and semi uh, semifinals. Um, he's still a pro, yeah. right? Chris Paul is a guy who has something that you desire um, leadership qualities. That if you're building the right, if you're building a young team, he could show guys how to come in, prepare, be a pro. Um, look what he did in OKC for that one year he oh, yeah, was there, definitely. right? Yeah, definitely. But then on top of that. Chris Paul and Landry Shamit, those are two guys that come to trade deadline, a playoff team would definitely be looking to add. Mm-hmm. Landry Shamit, a guy who's uh, phenomenal, who's an above average three point shooter, and Chris Paul, his veteran experience um, and his uh, play as a uh, point guard and, a, you know, and kind of like a second coach on the floor are two are desirable qualities for a team with championship aspirations or playoff aspirations. Um, so you could possibly trade both of those guys separately and get more additional picks. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot you can do, man. Again, if, if you're the GM in Washington and you're part of that team, that front office, you can do whatever. You have the opportunity to create it into, into your own vision, right? Like this is your chance to create it into your own vision. You don't have to build around Bradley Bill. You don't have to build around some of these other people. Kyle Kuzma has like – Use his option. He, you know, declined his option. Now he's a free agent. I mean, he's used his op. He's he's opted out of the of the Washington is his deal. So he's a free agent. Um. So there are so many things now that this team is now working off of. Like they're working off of their own. What they're they're working off of what they what they imagine this 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 roster look like. They're not forced to have any particular player. Speaking of a player, another player who was traded. Well, I want to. I do want to add this before we talk about what happened to uh Przingis today. Um, do you feel like the Suns are better with Bradley Bill? Uh, without say you're swapping Chris Paul with a healthy Chris Paul, are they better without Bradley Bill? Um, I would say yes. Okay. What, what you saying, Chris Paul is healthy? Yeah, with the with, yeah, if Chris Paul was like you're basically trading Chris Paul for Bradley Bill, right? Correct. So Chris Paul, yes. if Chris Paul and Bradley Bill are both healthy, is it is this a better trade? Uh, I I do think I do think so, and here's why. Okay. If you're Phoenix, mm-hmm. um, Chris Paul for all he does, um, he's a guy who's most effective with the ball in his hand. Mm-hmm. When you look at Devin Booker, Devin Booker showed you during the playoffs he could be even more effective than Chris Paul from a scoring standpoint and making plays. Yeah. But what you can't do or I'm not I'm not gonna say you can't do, but what um makes it hard when you want to play Booker on ball and Paul off ball is Chris Paul is pretty stagnant. He doesn't move a lot without the ball. Bradley Bill is actually excellent 
moving off ball, and we also know that his um, three-point capability. So you open up the floor a little bit more with another shooter, and then that potentially gives DeAndre, if DeAndre Ayton is able to take a step forward offensively, um, creates more space for DeAndre Ayton in the low block. All right. I mean, I disagree. The only reason why I disagree, I get what you're saying, but I, because Booker wasn't winning, and he got he he got to handle the ball before Bill before uh Paul was there. He held he got to handle the ball, but it was wasn't winning. He wasn't getting to the playoffs. I had a good bubble appearance, but he was getting to the playoffs. You got Chris Paul in yeah. in there, and as soon as that happened, and as soon as he was injected healthy, you were a you were a finals contender. I don't True. know like the issue with Bradley. Like to me. Now you're going to ask, you have three dudes, and you're going to have to ask them all to create. You're going to ask one to create for the others. Everybody has to have a role. The same, it's the, it's the, it's in, it's in basketball. Everybody needs a role. The big three, the big, the three with LeBron, Bosch, and Wade. Reason why it worked so well is that, like, one dude in, like, even though LeBron had to have the ball in his hand, that's correct. That's what Dwayne Wade, he's, he's, he's told, like, LeBron, you have to have the ball in your hand. So for, for, for it to really work. But LeBron was a decision maker, right? Like he's always been mm-hmm. a decent decision maker. You're gonna have you're really you just have scores who you're gonna ask to make decisions. You know what I mean? Like and and that's a little difficult. You know what I mean? I love Kate, Kevin Durant. Like I love Kevin Durant. But is he like a decision maker or he's a scorer? Like you put him in a you had Kevin Durant is a scorer. He's a scorer. Booker is a scorer. Bradley Bill he's is a, a scorer. scorer, but who who has improved? Yeah, drastically yeah. as a playmaker. Yeah, but he's better off as he's a scorer. Like he's not a he's not a, he's a he's not a court. There's there's levels to this point guard thing. You know this. Where we talk about that's why we like Chris Paul so much. No, I I, yeah. I, I, I understand. Yeah, no, yeah. I understand what yeah. you're saying. But that the one of the things that Devin Booker has become better at it's distributing the ball. Being yeah, is distributing the ball and being a playmaker and facilitator for those on his team. Yeah, now. When you put him in pick and roll with DeAndre Ayton, mm-hmm. um, from my experience, from yeah. what I see, yeah. it's a it's it's a far more efficient play than when you put Chris Paul in pick and roll with DeAndre Ayton. I think that's just what I see. Okay, so what I see is that I feel like when you put Chris Paul in pick and roll with DeAndre Ayton, there is more options because of his vision. So he may not go to you know he can do the pull up he wants it wants to. That's his choice, and he can he can if he can feed DeAndre Ayton in the, in the basket in ways that even is is, is better. It, it's proved of a passer as Booker is. He ain't doing it like Paul is. If if Paul is doing it, and then Paul can find the shooter on the weak side better than Booker, even off of that, and in, in stride though, and catch them dudes in stride. Because again, he's looking to pass more than Booker is, is pass and shoot, so his options are a little different. You know what I'm saying? Like I know what you're saying. You're talking about in terms of he's it's more of a threat, right? Booker's gonna be able to yes. pull up, pull the three, or he can pass it, dump it down. You're looking at more of a dual threat. I totally get it. But also on the, on the flip side is that like. Paul, which is, which makes him more fascinating, makes him the reason why Paul has won everywhere. Forget championships that he's always improved a ball club. You, that's why you're saying here, even here in D.C., like you can have him here. He can help. He can build his own stock value to trade him away because he may improve your ball club in, in a way. He may improve your ball club. Um, but in Phoenix, I feel like 
there's so much he does for that ball club, even in high screen role. I think he's so much he does. Not just for eight, and I know you're saying, not, I'm talking about for other players, like for other players on, who who are spotting up, written ready to shoot the basketball. Yeah, I, I mean, either way you put it, I I think there's a higher likelihood that Chris Paul never suits up for this oh, team. Oh, me either. I don't think so either. Than, <laughs> than him actually suiting up. Um, no, I, you know, yeah. if you look at this roster, they pretty much, you know, after the poor zinc, you know, yeah. when, and we'll talk about this, yeah. if or when Christoph Porzingis is traded, they pretty much, you know, tore this thing down to the studs. And then I also know that um, Chris Paul's salary isn't fully guaranteed yeah. um, for this year. I think that the team has the option up until the 28th uh-huh. of June, if I'm not mistaken, to potentially release him. Okay. And um, I believe only half of the salary will be on the books. So there's always that. We'll see. I, I'm, 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 I'm seeing this team trying to get draft picks. So I'm, hope, I, I'm hopefully they can find a deal, or whatever, like to, to even trade Chris Paul for something. Like you said, a second rounder. But I think they can finagle, finagle something. There are teams out there who are kind of very, are very interested in Chris Paul. Uh, you mentioned Porzingis. It, it has been reported that Wizards traded forward Kristaps Porzingis to the Boston Celtics in a three-team deal involving the Clippers. The Wizards will get Marcus Morris. Amir Coffey and a 30th pick in the first round, and the Clippers get Malcolm Malcolm Brogdon from the Celtics. Will T, your thoughts, man? So I want to be clear, it hasn't. It's reported. Um, it's, 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 it's yeah, it's reported that it hasn't gone through. Yeah, but um, it's, it's supposed it, to be. It's it's darn near gone through. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so <laughs> it, 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 it isn't official. So I just want to make sure that that's why I said reported. That. That's why I said reported. Like allegedly. Okay. Like um, allegedly. Um. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, I think it. One, I don't understand why the Celtics would want to uh, take wait, wait, on Christoph Porzingis. You don't get it. Trade. I get it, but I'll let you go. Go ahead. I don't, no, I, I don't. I, so I understand what they're trying to do. Porzingis is more size, mm-hmm. um, more shooting, mm-hmm. um, and that's something that they lacked yeah. against uh, Miami, mm-hmm. right? Um, for some reason. Uh, uh, the coach, Joe Malzahn, um, has decided not to play Robert Williams. I don't know if that's it's because Robert Williams isn't healthy or just from a um, stylistic perspective. That's, you know, he, he's trying to figure out how to best incorporate Robert Williams. I get it. But Christoph Porzingis, he brings size. He brings uh, shooting. And he also provides... Um, Something that I noticed that when this team was probably at its best, they had a guy who could play from the high post and could help with the facilitation of the offense. You know, something that Al Horford was really good at. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe that's one of the reasons, you know, you add that additional shooting and size, you open the lane up a little bit um, for Jalen Brown and, um, Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum to get downhill a little bit, a little bit more. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I still kind of struggle with the fit into what 
right. into that office and what Boston's trying wants I, to do. I, I this is I think it, so. You like I forgot about my man Robert Williams. I don't think that they need Porzingis. So I'm, let, let me start it off with that. So to to your for your point to your point, I do agree. I don't think they need Porzingis. I see why they got Porzingis. I'm not a mad. I'm not mad at the matchup because I do think that Robert Williams is underutilized in Boston. Um, I think when he when he's on the floor. He does so much for their defense that kind of gears their, that, that kind of changes that kind of helps out with their offense. And even if you if you utilize him correctly, I do think he could be a double double easily in the NBA, like easily, um, easily. Wouldn't be a, a challenge. But there's a reason why. I don't, see, there's a, there, this is what for me I think that Boston is lacking. But they didn't. This trade doesn't really take care of it. Like they need a number. They need a, they need a one. They need a, a legit real one. A good decision making one. And I'm no knock on Marcus Smart. I think Marcus Smart's a hell of a player, hell of a defensive player. He a dog. But you know what I mean. Like you need a one. You need like a Chris Paul-ish point guard, a guy that can set up, that can that can calm them down, run the offense, not turn the ball over, can get into their sets, and they're good to go. But in terms of this trade, I see I see what they're trying to do. Like you said, Will. Like they play Miami. They like to shoot the three, right? Ever since they lost to Golden State. They've been three happy. That's why they lost the series against Miami. It's more spacing for, for um, for for uh, for Brown and Tatum to go ISO, which I don't think is the way to go. But that's why they made this trade. I'm I've been a big fan of Porzingis here in DC. I think he kind of he's shown folks which what he's capable capable with his game. Um, defensively, he could help this team because he always he's always been a good shot blocker. Um, you saw that in New York Will T. We saw that in DC. He's always been a good shot blocker, so he can still do that for, the, for he can do that for the Celtics in terms of their defense. But I just feel like, I, in terms of the need, I don't think this is the right need for the Celtics to make the move. For the Wizards, this is great, right? You take you get this guy off the contract. You get the thirty, you get the thirtieth pick overall. You can get the thirtieth pick overall in the draft pick, and then in the draft you get um uh you're gonna you be able to get um excuse me um more again you're emptying the space. So, again, you can get somebody in this draft, which, you know, a lot of players to me are about the same. So, you can get somebody in high quality at a, in a 30th pick with a 30th pick overall. I I think the Wizards, they, they got to steal with this one. Now, and I, I'm still hearing, too, that the Wizards will probably get some picks from the Celtics if this once this goes through. They're still working out on a little bit of details in terms of draft picks. That's, like, the thing that's holding them up. And I think the word is they'll get more draft picks out of this trade. But the uh... – so here's the thing about draft picks. They're only as good as the people who are making the picks. Yeah. Right? So um, this new front office has, isn't going to get the opportunity to really put in their system for evaluating draft picks. So they're going to have to rely a lot on the current staff, uh, scouts, they and other guys it. within that front office. Winger better wing well, it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, so, you know – and that's why I say, you know, draft picks are only as good as the True. people who are making the pick. True. So, um, you know, we can be excited that we have a new uh, front office for the Wizards. But, you know, how, you know, they, I don't believe within these two, a week, this week or two weeks, that they'll have the opportunity to really implement their uh, evaluation process. So, you know, hopefully they'll be, hopefully they're able to hit. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. They're gonna hit. I mean, I think they'll be. They'll be. Eight. I think they'll have an opportunity to. We'll see. We'll definitely see. But speaking of the draft, the NBA draft goes down tomorrow. Tomorrow, and the Wizards have the eighth pick in the draft. Will um, 
who you I mean in terms of any players players that are out there, who would you like the Wizards to draft? Or who would you think the Wizards should draft? Uh, I already told I said it last week, Anthony Black out of Arkansas. Yes, sir, that's who you like. Anthony Black. Yep, I like Anthony Black out of Arkansas. I like his uh I like his game and I think he has a tremendous upside. So this is wild, man. You know, usually I don't do like I don't like, I don't watch college ball that much, but I did my homework for this show. Like, I did. Like, I really did my homework. And I was looking at all the players that people thought the Wizards should get, right? I mean, the, the, like, on these mocks, right? A lot of these mocks. I had the Wizards getting Cam Whitmore out of Villanova, Kobe uh, Bufkin out of Michigan. He's a local guy. Who, uh, who Kobe Bufkin? Cam Whitmore. Cam Whitmore, yeah. Cam no, Whitmore, yeah. yeah. Anthony, uh, Anthony Black is a favorite, right? Uh, Taylor Hendricks, Hendricks out of UCF. Asar Thompson. Six uh six seven guard out of the, like out of the, the overtime elite league, uh, uh just Jerace Jerace Walker out of Houston six eight freshman, uh Keontae George shooting guard out of Baylor, Jet Howard Jawanson Jawanson out of uh out of Michigan, and like so all these dudes I watch right and mm-hmm. I, there's like two cats that stand, that stood out to me that legitimately can fall to the Wizards that I was like yeah I like their game um I mean I, um. Anthony Black, I like his game. Like I thought, I want. I think the Wizards would be would be cool with Anthony Black too. So it's not a knock on Anthony Black. I think Anthony Black would be great with the Washington Wizards. Um, but to me, it was Taylor Hendricks was the dude who intrigued me the most. He's a six nine, a six nine forward who can who's, who as a freshman averaged fifteen points, shot thirty eight percent from three, uh, and had seven rebounds. Was pro- it's probably rated the best defender in this draft. You know what I mean? Can pick and pop and it can, and can post. Like and when you can do all that in today's NBA, like that is that is golden. You know what I'm saying? Like that is golden. And then when I when I mean shoot the three, he shoots the three well. Got has range and good touch, good follow through. Like watch this dude. And then then I looked at Kobe Bufkin out of Michigan, six four guard. Kind of reminded me reminds me of a poor man without the speed, right? Of a De'Aaron Fox because he has a good mid range, plays tough and gritty, plays defense. He scraps for rebounds, scraps for like loose balls. Uh, he has a nice le- lefty stroke. Pause. That ain't sound right. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you know what you mean. You know, you know what I mean. But I, I thought, I thought he was like, I think like he's a good fit. Obviously, obviously Anthony, uh, Anthony, um, Anthony Black. I think he's he's dope. Um, only thing I would want for him is like to improve his three po- his three point shooting a little bit. Um, but I think that's more of. The shots he was forced to take playing with Arkansas. I mean, Nick Nick uh, Nick Smith from Arkansas. Both of those two had to kind of like do it all for Arkansas. So, um, yeah. But for me, I would I would like for them to take. I would like Hendricks, but I don't think the Wizards would, would take a four. I think they want a guard. They want a point guard. I think. Yeah, I think they want someone that they believe to be the building block for what they're trying to put together. Here over the next couple of years. Do you look at this draft as a deep draft? Um, not really. Okay. So- well, well, I, I, I'll say this. Um, deep from. Do I think there'll be a number of players who will be contributors, and you know, uh-huh. be able to contribute to a team right off the bat? Um, not necessarily, but I do think that this is a draft that you could potentially get four or five future all-stars out of. I feel, I mean, like you said, I think if you can do your job right, (laughs) 
it's about the people you trusted in trusting that in those rooms, right? Because mm-hmm. I do think that this team has the capability. Like I think this draft has the capability of having a player that stands out. Like my man uh, on Twitter, my man Cameron says I've been saying it for the last two weeks. Asking Anthony Black, that's the player. That's the player he wants. Kayla Powell said Kobe, Cam, and Black. Those are the three players that she would she would want. Uh, one one of the three, uh, one of those three in, in the first in the first round pick. Yeah, man, I just think mm-hmm. that uh, I, there's going to be a player right that's that kind of shocks the world, right? Yeah. That's that because folks are saying this draft isn't as deep. I'm gonna give you another player that I like because I watched him play in the tournament. Um, uh, it was what's his name? Ter, yeah, Ter, uh, Terquavion Smith out of NC State. Did you watch him play in the tournament? You watch uh, no, I did oh, not. Okay, bro, I'm gonna tell you this. They got him go. They got him going in the second round. Like I watched everything, but he he dropped he dropped about 18 points a game last year. And his freshman year, I think he he averaged like I want to say 16 as a freshman. Last year he was a sophomore, but he he's a little light. And I feel like they punish you when you like a sophomore though, because I feel like if he was a freshman averaging like 17.9, he would be like on an automatic first round pick. But but when he played against uh who they play. Uh, they play Creighton. Do drop thirty two in the tournament, and I mean fast, quick, uh, energetic. Got a J. Got range. Got touch. Like he fits today's NBA, which kills me that he's like a second round. Like they have him as a second rounder. So if the Wiz- hey, Wizards fans, if y'all, if he's in the second round, y'all should take him. But if y'all, if y'all want of Laker fans who who listening to the show, and and the Lakers, and Magic, you, Magic, talk to Jenny and tell Jenny I said, hey. This is the dude right here, Smith, NC State. I'm sure Magic is listening. Magic should be listening to me, Will. He should be listening to me. He definitely should be listening to me. Uh, hey, I'm so sure all, right, all right, so with with Bill and Porzingis being Trey Will T, how important is it for this front office to to be successful during this draft? I know you're saying like it's not going to be their program, but is it still important for them to have that look for for fan, for the fan base? Like, all right, they were successful in this draft. I think you. I think it's essential that you, um, especially when you you pretty much studied the, you know, you not studied, but you um, taken away or you've traded away the key contributors from this roster. I think it's essential that you come away with a with a guy who can contribute to your team right away. You don't necessarily want, you know, um, they have the eighth pick and the 30th pick, right? With the 30th pick, it'd be cool if you get a guy who's a project that um, two years from now um, is a starter and is a contributor and is averaging double digits, right? Uh And making an impact on on a night-to-night basis. But with the eighth pick, you need to be able to get a guy who pretty much from day one can come in and contribute um, he doesn't have to be a 20-point scorer, but he needs to be a guy that's in the rotation and the fan base sees flashes and says this is a guy that will be a part of a championship roster or a team that's contending for the play for um, contending for the playoffs within three to four years. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that this is like this team needs they they need to find that dude. Like they need to find a dude that they can say. Hey, let's pair him up with Denny and Corey Crisper. <laughs> nah, I, I fully expect Corey Crisper and Denny to be gone. Me too. I do too. I do. I think. Uh, 
I think so too. I agree. I think they're going to be gone. I don't think they're going to be here at all. I, I mean, I think they'll be here to open up the no, season. No, the season, but, but they're not a the long term goal. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah. the long term. Um, they're not. They're not part of the long term squad. They're not at all. Not at all. Yeah, I don't think they're part of the long term plans. Yeah, not at unless all. they show something. I mean, unless you know, first half of the season they come out and they show flashes of being guys that could be key rotational players for mm-hmm. when this team turns this thing around. But I, no disrespect to them, but I doubt it. I really do. And, and hey, surprises, man. Shockers, but I doubt it. I really do. But, anyway, as part of our HBCU Corner segment, we'll play our interview with North Carolina Central University's women's basketball coach, Trisha Stafford Odom. After the break, you're listening to the Urban Sports Saying. For ages. Yeah, Deuces. On Empire, Empire Media. Go on, Wilty. Go ahead. Uh, I'll let you say it. On Empire Media. <laughs> that's EmpireMedia.com. Straight out of ATL. Got young one. Jumping that thing, baby. Swiss beats. Full surface. Come on. to the urban sports scene with wole and ray and we are part of empire media and empiremedia.com all right folks it's time for hbcu corner right here with us we have north carolina central university's women's basketball coach trisha stafford odom what's up coach and welcome to hbcu corner with the urban sports scene wole what's up ray good to see you good to talk to you great great to be here you guys like I, like we mentioned prior to this you know the recording yeah, yeah. Uh, Ray, Ray and I said that we saw we met you at the shore at Eastern Shore. Uh, while you while you were coaching in that game, I, and I told Ray sitting beside, her, I was like, "Hey, sitting beside Ray, I was like, Ray, I like her. Like, I like her." <laughs> oh man, I hope it wasn't the mumblings under my breath that you could hear. But uh, I do remember that encounter. I really, really do because believe it or not, I'm focused. I'm engaged. But I also see everything around. I got my head on the swivel. So the comment, <laughs> I loved it. It was encouraging. Uh, y'all got me hyped a little bit. So I remember you guys. It was a great first impression. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, man. I just like that you were into it. Like, as, as a coach, you're into it. You're into it, into it for your girls. And yeah. that, that girl, Burks, she was, I was just impressed with her. Jay, she was you like, really step out there. Oh, yeah. That Jay was, 
Something. Yeah, yeah. She, I think that day and a couple of other games in the um in the conference, um, Kamira Burks went nuts. Um, she has the capability of shooting with tremendous range. Uh, she could be conscious less <laughs> um at some points, um, which is good and bad. I think that I think I think you have to not care about the environment. Um, when you're going to be the best player there is because you can't be concerned with what people say, what people think. You just got to go out there and hoop. Great example, Miami Heat right now. They, uh-huh. they, don't get, they don't care. So they go get it done. And Burks, man, she shoots it. She thinks her range as soon as she steps in. And all I got to do is, is is just calm her down sometimes. Like, give me a little better, a better shot. You know, after the ball comes back to you, maybe you let that fly. Hey, but she I, plays to the last second, though. That's what I love about her. Against uh-huh. against Norfolk in the, in the tournament, uh-huh. she, she ain't give up. She played her hardest all the way until the game was over. Even when she was, even even when she it was, was in doubt at the, at the last waning yes. second, she was still she was still chirping too. I was like, that's what's up. Listen, that's who she is from the inside out. Um, Chicago young lady, um, been through a lot. Um, she has no fear. Uh, great kid off the court, like, um, and wants to please, to be honest. I mean, one thing she's focused on this year, this past season, was to get better defensively. I mean, she understands, you know, she doesn't want to be a one one side of the ball player and being known as just a shooter. And I'm telling her, look, we as a staff are trying to make you a complete player because nobody has the specialty that you do. I mean, you, you shoot like crazy. Um, she, <laughs> she shoots and talks, no question about it. So now I'm like, back it up on both sides of the ball. Back it up on both sides. <laughs> Called so, that that mama mentality, right? Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, man. Those things. I don't know if you can teach them. They're kind of somewhere inbred. Kind of. You can't teach it. I'm sorry, yeah. you just can't teach it. Hey, so so, Coach uh, Ray and I, we want to do a tour of HBCU. So, in terms of Central, what's a go-to spot to eat? Oh, now you t- you you catering to the fat side of me right now. Just don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just you see me light up, right? So down the street. Uh, I'm sure it's an African-American-owned restaurant. It used to be a food truck. And I don't know the history, so I'm learning as we go. But Let's Eat Soul Food. It's now a restaurant. Okay. Uh, they have different days of specialties. I know Thursday. Thursday today, that might be, uh, I don't know what it is. But now you're going to make me hungry and go over there and get <laughs> something. But I think it's uh, something that I started eating when I've come here. Why am I going? Why am I going nuts? I don't know. I can't remember the special. You got Let's Eat Soul Food. You've uh-huh. got uh, Dane's Chicken and Waffles downtown. Uh-huh. Um, then there are a chain of restaurants, soul food restaurants. There's Try Try Soul Try Fish Soul Food. Uh-huh. I've tried them all, but you know they have varieties, and um, I, I don't think they're gonna get our blood pressure up too high. All right, let, let me ask you then. Not what go you, wrong. Saying that. Can you give us a healthy spot? I don't know why he asked you about food when he don't hardly eat. Look, you oh, do. I eat when I go out of town, though, bro. I eat when I go eating, out of town. Hey, hey, this this fact at the Miac tournament, he was making almond butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> he ain't even eat. Look, that's so, a fact. So, so you got like a smoothie. Hey, line. Hey, line. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm always gonna go with Tropical Smoothie Cafe. Oh, uh, we got that here. <laughs> we got that PG County in America. We got, we got Jamba <laughs> Juice. Uh, there's Kale's Kitchen. Mm. There's okay. a lot of healthy okay. foods. You just have to make your choices. You have to make healthy choices. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? The almond, the almond butter? You're going to reference that? You're going to bring yeah, that yeah. up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The almond butter, peanut butter, and jelly <laughs> joint? Exactly. Calories, right? 
Yeah. Hey, listen, listen. I'm trying to tell you, my man. He he, he mixed it up a little bit. It's all good though. But oh, I want to ask you again. We did have a prior discussion. We can't share on air all of it. But you right. got the you got the PWI experience um, at, at Cal. So talk about the difference between Cal's homecoming and, and what you see at Central. <laughs> That's how you gonna phrase it right now. <laughs> Come on, Ray. Oh shoot. Cal, wonderful institution. For years, it was the number one public institution in America. So a proud golden bear. But I've never seen a homecoming that comes close. Not in Berkeley, California. No, no, no. <laughs> and, and like we said, uh, off air, I mean, I'm a West Coast kid all day. I'm, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> I had to learn about HBCUs on the job because we don't, we don't have them out there. There is nothing like the pride of being an eagle. Uh, people are absolutely proud to have been a part of this institution, um, to have, you know, generation after generation that have been here and the ones here now. I mean, the difference is, I guess, the spirit, if that's one word, uh, it's the spirited environment and the pride that goes along with it. Uh, but I mean, it's cracking. I mean, it's it's their uh, motor homes, like RVs, got an RV roll, you got barbecue pits, you have little taste test all over. So you got a little bit of everything. Um, the elderly, the kids, there's something for everybody. And then our championship team now is putting out the product that's dope. Uh, Coach Jerry Mack was here before when I came, had a winning tradition. I think it took a little low, but Trey Oliver right now, national wow. champ. So people want to be here in this environment, watching wow. our football team and um, everything about it. Hey, I might get in trouble for this, but I'm being real. Well, you already know where I was. I was at the Aggie Eagle Classic last year, and y'all might have the best cheerleaders in, in, in the MEAC. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm before I started coaching, you know, I was trying out, but that wasn't <laughs> my niche. <laughs> so I just went on over to coach. <laughs> but what I do know, the coach does an outstanding job. Uh, she got them on fire. Sometimes in the evenings I come in, you know, some kids may want to come shoot or whatever. And the coaches in here, they're getting it in like full fledged workouts. Like it is no joke. So they have done an outstanding job. The cheerleaders, the uh, spirit team, and there are a couple of different names of the groups of dancers and stuff and champagne. Like they, they, they're getting it in. So um, I'm proud to say I'm a part of that. They are not boring. They will give you a show in sync, coordination, dressed well, and they're getting it done. They they kind of look like me, but you know. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> so, Coach, you talked about Kyle. In four seasons, in Kyle, you averaged 15 points. In 92, you, you averaged 23 points a game, so you was hooping for real. Like, you was getting it in. You was getting it in. So, like, and during that time, who, who was the team you just like getting buckets against? Wow. <laughs> I mean, thank you for knowing that, mm -hmm. but but that's a long time ago, man. <laughs> Everybody got a team that you know. So, oh, I so gave them the business, like I gave ah, that person. I don't want to sound crazy, but it was Pac ten. Yeah. I want to say Pac nine of them got buckets. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's what I want to say, but you know, but we on air, so I won't say that. But uh, Stanford, Stanford was the rival. I mean, they kicked uh, everybody's butt. Uh, uh, coach Star Vanderveer will be a Hall of Fame coach, and she's still doing well, still doing her thing. And that was just a championship program, but that was actually Cal Berkeley's rival. I remember one of the biggest games of my collegiate career was when we were able to take them down. Um, we beat them, and that was a that was a big deal. We got Jennifer Az. They've got they've got so many um, 
heralded players that played in that program and that system, Val Whiting. So to beat them, it was a major deal. Uh, UCLA was a team that, um, you know, that's my home squad. So I went to Berkeley, but I was a Southern Cal kid. So that's the UCLA, UCLA, USC thing. So anytime I went home, I had the fans, I had the family, the church members, everybody was there. So I couldn't embarrass. I had to, <laughs> to do work. So I had to make everybody proud, my big brother and everybody. So I would say I would always be up for the Stanford game, Cal uh, against UCLA, Cal against USC. Those were always special. Oh yeah, I know yeah, you're trying to get the rap uh, being soft out there on the West Coast. You know that, right? So I, I'm glad you I'm glad you spend something different today. Stop <laughs> it. You don't don't believe everything you hear. We are not soft, we are finesse. Stop <laughs> <laughs> so so finesse, you know? Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> finesse is a good word. You finessing us now with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it's laid, I know it's a laid back culture all day. I get it. Hey, we chill. Oh. We chill, but, you know, it never rains in Cali, you know, <laughs> you know, Biggie want to be out there, all that stuff, you know. <laughs> we, we, we see the jerseys in the background, so talk about oh, the, talk about the WNBA experience. I mean, yeah. what was that like? You you got the, the, the Commons jersey, which is no more, and that's probably the most historic team yes. ever. Yes. Um, I agree. Well, who do we interview? Who do we interview? Gosh, that played in the WNBA. Uh, she played for the coach at Phoenix, though. She was at yeah, uh, she Phoenix. Yeah, she was uh, in Phoenix, assistant coach. Gosh. Uh, Bridget? No, 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 no. Who no, no, no. That? Assistant coach. Uh, Hold up. I got it. Um, I will find it. But anyway, she was just okay. talking about the era of the WNBA was so yeah. special back then. Oh, it's extremely special. And she was like, it don't compare today to what it was I, back then. I agree. Uh-huh. And I never want to come off as non-appreciative of what's going on now and what it's evolved to. But there was something special about the initial days. I mean, uh, I originally went to the ABL. That's an American Basketball League. It was it was held during uh, simultaneous with the regular basketball season while the WNBA was the summer. So I initially started in the ABL. But I'm telling you, the WNBA was cracking. I'm telling uh-huh. you, we started peeling off the ABL and coming to the summer months of the WNBA. And it wasn't compared. It's not comparable. Uh, the marketing was great. The talent level was amazing. I mean, when you speak of the Houston Comets, you speak of four championships in a row. I will have to admit, because you can all do research, I came year five. Uh-huh. <laughs> so there's Tina Thompson. Uh, there's Cynthia Cooper raised the roof. Um, shoot, there was Jeanette Arcane. I mean, Coquise Washington. There were some special people, special names. I was a part of it, made the team, got my minutes, um, was valuable as a reserve. Um and the environment, Houston Rockets environment, Houston Comets, they were all intertwined. Uh-huh. It was a great place to be. It was nothing like it. I mean, for that team to have folded uh, probably disappointed a lot of hearts because that place is special. And now you got other pl- special places in the, in, the, um, in the league, and it's expanded. But there's nothing like the first. And like I said, it, there is some watered-down talent now. But there's definitely so much talent that could have compared. Like we always talk uh-huh. about, could NBA players in the day play in the in this now? So some of us think like that as alum. Uh-huh. This kid get buckets um, when we first started. But I do think, you know, much respect to all of them right now. I think there still needs to be a greater expansion so that more people can have the the, the eloquent memories that we have of them them comment days man it was, it was uh cool. chastity melvin that's who it chastity melvin yeah, she, that's she, right, that's right. girl 
That's right. Mm-hmm. That's my girl. Went to NC State. So mm-hmm. yeah, nah, it, it was it was not like it, man. We were just we were hooping. It was special. Um, we got a lot of attention, like rock stars, uh-huh. um, supporters, and I do think obviously that's where big time fans for women's basketball originated. Yeah, I mean, he was going crazy, and you know I've got a few back there, Houston comments. Uh, um, I also play with the Miami Soul. Uh-huh. Can't find my jersey, man, but Miami Soul. And so I played in the arena that Jimmy's playing in right now. I mean, back mm-hmm. then, Ron Butler was on the team. And uh, I think the coach now was an assistant. So I have a special, I hold a special place in my heart for the Miami Heat because Miami Soul, S-O-L, yeah. was, was a team that I was a part of. And I remember them. I was a 12-year uh-huh. pro, man, all over the place. Not all over you. All uh-huh. over the, overseas and everything. So it's uh-huh. nothing like there's nothing like it. Yeah, it's wild because I, I was, you know, we ran out when we talk about the w, WNBA. I'm like, that time is, to me, the, the surrealest time because not just like the talent in the, in the faces, but I felt like they did a better job promoting the individuals back then. I, I, I do too. I think now it's, I won't, nobody wants to talk politics, but I think politically now you have an approach that you have to take in marketing. Uh-huh. Back then, it's like, who's hooping? That's who we talking about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you got Lisa. That's my girl, Lisa Leslie. You had, uh, I think, Rebecca Lobo. I mean, she yeah. became a name and a brand. And, I mean, Cheryl Swoops. I sure, mean, we yeah. met it in college and we, you know, in the WNBA as well. Cheryl was transitioning out when I came in. But, like, I mean, the people that they're talking about and that you see on TV, literally putting it down on the court. Yes. So there was a, there was a parallel. There was a reason. Mm-hmm. There was because I played here, so I get this marketing. It was yes. I do this. That's yeah. why they talking about me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they was on Martin, man. Like, come on now, they was no, on Martin. Yeah, I mean, come on. Oh, on oh, my knee. Oh my. Yeah, oh, come my. on, man. Like that already let you know they 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 were mainstream. They let were you know real. Dawn. I mean, yeah, it was real stuff. Yeah. It was real stuff. So. All right, so we can get now. Let's get into like the HBCU talk. Now, this has been enjoyable. We can get to now the nitty gritty. Oh yeah, for, for sure. Real. All right, so last season was arguably your best season at Central. The team was 15 to six, uh, 15 to 16 overall and fourth mm-hmm. in the MEAC with an eight and six record. Uh, your team made it to the semis of the MEAC tournament. What did you learn about your team last season? I learned that they were extremely coachable. Um, and I'm speaking in past tense because the team we had last year won't be the same team. Yeah. You know, seeing same makeup. So that was the first and last time. Uh-huh. I will have coached that particular team, but we were tough, man. Um, and I think that was always a challenge for me because it's a frustrating part of me uh, when somebody's soft. So, uh-huh. you know, in many different ways, in various ways, especially because y'all think people from Cali soft anyway, <laughs> I got to have to come at them. So, I mean, just be tough. Don't be no punks, man. Like go out there and compete regularly and make that mentality uh, the mentality that you take over the game, it, 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 that should be the mindset of practice and everything um, without any hard feelings, compete, like have a desire uh, to win and not lose. So I think when I challenged my team early on, we were just awful with rebound. We were just uh-huh. terrible. And I challenged us in a major way. Coaches helped me with that. And then we became one of the top rebounding teams for a stretch. Uh, we fell off a couple of times, but it was just a mindset. It wasn't the inability to do anything. It was the lack of a focus. So I think we became focused. They showed me they knew how to be focused. They showed me they know how to play together. And um, the heart of, and soul of my team, they hated losing. Uh, so it became personal in many ways. 
And you can see it though. You can definitely see it on the court. Yeah, you see the passion. You. That's one thing I, I saw. Like there's passion on, uh-huh. on that team. Like they gritty. Your team is very yeah. gritty. Was very Thank gritty. You. And I don't want to lose that mindset. Even with new personnel coming yeah. in, some going out, I want to stay gritty. I want to stay hungry. And then I want to respect each other's game. And and we you earn respect by your teammate, by how much that teammate sees you in the gym working on your stuff. Uh-huh. I want that to become the norm and a natural thing for us. I know but, as a coach, uh, oh, where, bro, you good. No, the, so, all right, so like the goal mm-hmm. is always, you know, the goal of anybody building a program is to improve. Last season was an improvement. Uh, so what will it take for your team to take take the next step next season to be a team that, that contends for the MEAC title or to capture the MEAC t- title? I'm smiling because off air we talked about change of officiating and all that, but I'm not going <laughs> to insert that right now. I'm glad you did. <laughs> I'm going to leave that. Let's leave that. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that. Yeah, we, we, got, we got some trouble before. so We, we did. That's why I got trouble. I got oh, trouble. Man. We had some questions about it. Oh, <laughs> my God. Well. Uh, what let me talk what's it going to take what tell me that question again what's it going so to what's take? A, for like what like i so said you're laughing at me, right no that's okay so like i was saying like what is it going to take next season to to contend for the MEAC title yeah yeah so i will say this um preseason rankings come out all the time sometimes i follow it sometimes i care most times i don't um, but I, I remember that we were predicted after having a, a decent season a year before, it was decent in a tournament, not necessarily the regular season, but I think we were predicted seventh. That's offensive to me. That like that, that was offensive. I don't think I really lost anybody. I don't, I don't remember, but the, you predicted me seventh. Uh, that was motivation. And I think we were a game out of third. So, uh, those were things we remembered throughout the year as a staff. Um, and that helped motivate us on a day-to-day basis. But I do think we always have to emphasize a rebounding, like being a domineering rebounding team. Wow. We, we really, I mean, I can't state that enough. And then not turning the ball over. I mean, we turned the ball over at a crazy clip, uh, which drove me nuts. Then we got better. Um, and then the last game of the season, I recall, I mean, we had way too many turnovers. We didn't convert in transition. So being in shape, I'll say it this way, coming in, got to be in shape to do everything that we want to do. We play TSO basketball, transition, stops, and offense. You got to be able to get up and down. You got to be able to get stops, get the ball back. And then everybody should have a bag, a repertoire, the ability to get me buckets. Like, if you can't do that, you're a hindrance to the program. <laughs> so. So, so you, you got to be able to do that so we can incorporate TSO basketball. So you got to be in shape. Um, you've got to work on your individual skill sets, which we, you know, we, we, we hold them accountable for those, but we want the mindsets that you come in and going to do it on your own. Um, and then, and then you have to be an unselfish player. So I'm bringing in players to answer your question. I'm bringing in players that, that will add to what we did do and that will give us, um, some aspects of the game that, that we didn't do well. So some scrappiness, uh, another, another outside shooter. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm, I'm losing a big piece in, in Kyra Lowry, who was our point guard who had come from Auburn. Uh-huh. Um, that's speed and, and some wisdom. So I'm bringing in higher IQ players, uh, that can, that can put, put these pieces together and we can roll. So, I'm going to ask the boring question now, um, but it's important, though. I know you say you educating yourself kind of on HBCU since you 
started um, at Central. Um, how does the history of the school factor in the history of hoops there? Like it's probably or arguably the most legendary hoop school um, and HBCUs. I mean, you think about Coach McClendon and just the I history and where and where uh, we started from. So right. does that factor into just your message in recruiting or to your players throughout the season at all? I probably shouldn't use it more in recruiting. I mean, because okay. it's major, it's huge. Um, I, I And I, like I said, I'm going to commit to doing that in the recruiting process so people are aware from the beginning the history of the game mm-hmm. and this university. But once you're a part of the team, um, yes, I definitely – because John McClendon has, has a picture, a mural on the wall, and it's crazy because, again, I didn't know till I got here the history and the first wow. – uh, African-American NBA, all those things. And we did, um, with the urging of Coach Moten, actually the men's coach, um, they honored um, his family and everything this year with a statue and everything. So a lot of our girls started asking questions. So, so this mm-hmm. year, um, in particular, I realized the importance of, of us not having a team full of people that doesn't know where they're playing for and who they're playing for and what this team has been, this university has been through. But when I was hired, I had to do my research and understand that they hired me to elevate the women's program as has the men's program been elevated with coach Moten. I mean, championship pedigree. So I can't be next door um, and be the loser on the block. So I'm I'm trying to take us up to levels that, that make everyone proud. I mean, um, we've got a couple of uh, retired jerseys of women that have played in the past prior to the D1 era. So when people come here, they want to be the first on the wall for women's basketball for, for the D1 era. So we've got the past few years here, I've had pretty much the rookies of the MIAC, MIAC rookies of the year. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't have them any longer on my rosters. Just by the portal and people getting poached and picked off. I mean, it's crazy. Uh-huh. But But when they come in, they're looking to be the first of something in this program. And we've accomplished a many first goals since I've been here. Uh, all conference, rookies of the year. So we're, we're doing those check by check by check. And I want somebody that's going to stick it through the whole time. And when we, when we build that base and have those bodies, uh, we'll add to the history of North Carolina Central. You know, you know who Harold Hunter is? My bad. Well, Harold Hunter. Mm. No. All right, research that name. Oh man, I'm writing notes. I got you. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, man, he went to Central. He played here in Washington. That's where we are. Um, and yeah, five foot nine point guard, light skin. <laughs> Why you gotta mention light skin? Oh, so he light skin, but so he's advocating. He advocating. Nah, but, but nah, for real, like he's part of. I mean, you you look at the Willis Reeds of the world, like yeah. the legendary HBC. Yeah, yeah. He's right up there. Um, Coach Harold Hunter. Okay, he, he went to Central. Wow, I'm. So, I should know that then. Okay, I'm gonna look him up. So, so Coach, you did up. mention you mentioned like the new one player. You know, new players have their jerseys retired the Raptors and whatnot. But in terms of your returning players, like what's going to take them to take it to the next level? And who are some of these returning players that we should keep our eye on? Morgan Callahan has been in my program um, for a few years and she had an injury. So COVID year, all that. She'll have a few more years left. She's working on an incredible degree, like wow. something super smart, psychological science, something, something, something. I don't know. But 
she was honored after the season for all MEAC tournament, all tournament team. Uh-huh. Uh, she did really well. She's capable of being a double-double on regular night throughout the season. And once Morgan figures that out herself um, and do it consistently, consistently, it's about her confidence factor. It wavers sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, and I try to do the best I can at teaching young ladies. It's not about the game you play that day. Th- those will vary, but it's how you approach the game and how you bounce back from the mistake you make on the court. It's cool. It doesn't change who you are. I just, I struggled for a second, but I can pick it back up. So once Morgan has a consistent level of, of confidence, she's going to be a player that, that silently, very humble, silently gets it done in a major way and is huge for this program. Tippy Robertson, another Chicago kid, one of those uh, Harold Hunter size, feisty, uh, tough kids that uh, she has come from Stetson. But like I said, with Mira Burks, Chicago kid with toughness, she will run this team this year uh, from the point guard spot. She's extra motivated knowing that there was an AC point, ACC point guard that left from Raleigh that's now going to be playing in Norfolk State. So trust me, she's working extra hard to understand. Uh, that those matchups are going to be epic. Uh, but Tippy Robertson will be very special um, going out with her senior year. And I say that by statistics and by her on-court leadership. Uh, she'll get in anybody's face. She's the heart of this team. She's energetic and she's tough. She can get to the bucket. She she has got to get out of the mentality that all she used to be able to do is just pass, pass, pass. But she can score at will and she can set players up. Um, yeah, Lee, I've got several players coming in. Mira Burks is coming back oh, yeah. better than ever because, honestly, in the tournament, she did well and fought hard, but she was outplayed by – we've talked about a couple of players in the league, uh-huh, and, I'm, uh-huh. and I told her, and we had these conversations, how her young lady did, did work. Got her name. Oh, how? Uh, Destiny. Yes. Destiny. Yes. Destiny, Destiny balled out. And yeah. so I was able to use her as a teaching point, you know, much uh-huh. But I'm like, Mira, if this is what you're trying to do, you have to do this on a consistent and regular level. So she will come back ready. She had off-season uh, thumb surgery. Um, she's healed from that, and she's going to definitely expand her ball handling and the ability to not just catch and shoot, but put on the floor and mix it up. So um, I'm, I'm excited about her too. But I, I've got some incoming packages. I got I had to beef it up a little bit. Um, so I've got size and speed coming out of the high school level. Uh-huh. Uh, Jada Creech. Um, I've got I've got a few more pieces coming. I can't give okay. it all. Okay, I'm gonna ask you. Tell, <laughs> let, let us know about these. I was like, I'm gonna ask you. Let us know about these new recruits. That's that, that was my next question. Bro, that was okay? your next question. Yeah, but if oh. you don't want, if you want to hold that in, I get it. Then I get I it. Hold it. I get you it. know, we all do that at the beginning of our MEAC time. I know. <laughs> they all downplay it. Yeah, they do that. It's so typical. It's so typical. I'm trying not to be. I'm trying not to be like that. <laughs> it's all good. I get it. I totally I get it. I get it. But I think I do think that like one but the tra- thing that- but I will say this, uh-huh. not to cut you off. The transfer uh-huh. portal, the JUCO route. Uh-huh. Um, in addition to me, I'm trying to stay committed to bringing in high school talent and developing them instead of always going to get the ready-made piece, blending that in yeah. with uh the returners and everything like that. So, I am bringing in a few high school players, the JUCO route and a couple of transfers. I got a transfer coming from Sam Houston State. Cool. Uh, so she's got some experience for me on the ball and off the ball. So those pieces will definitely um, change our look a little bit, but make us better. 
I was gonna I was gonna say this like I don't know how a player can lack confidence knowing that you're the coach. What I mean by that is, is that I you would that. still compliment, no, what I mean. <laughs> no, I'm saying I'm saying when I watched when I watched you coach, right? And it's like all you do is give them confidence. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of coaches, like they get on somebody and they right. kind of take it away without knowing they're taking it away. Right, but you like, hey, right, keep right. shooting it. Like keep they can't guard like you like in terms of when you're talking to somebody, you're like, they can't guard you, keep shooting it. Like right. I don't and know. You were able to hear that. Yeah, I don't know. Like for when, because I, I like I coach kids like little I coach kids and that's the thing I always try to t- tell them like keep shooting mm-hmm. like I'm not right. you you keep shooting because I like you instilling confidence in them so when you say somebody loses confidence who is who's a hooper I'm like I don't see why you how <laughs> you the coach I don't see how they can do that wow that that that's a major compliment for me um, and I, I I would agree I mean uh-huh. I I don't I've said this before like. I would love to have played for a me, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. And I'm not trying to pat myself. No, I get it. That is just having played the game, having coached for many coaches, different environments, different places and all that stuff. I feel like I know what's effective. Um, I'm a fan of the game, so I'm going to be the biggest cheerleader, but I'm going to be able to get on your butt. But you should be able to take it because you know I got your back. Uh Like. Um, and I'm not going to gas you up. If you're stinking it up until you're stinking it up, work on something different that day. <laughs> we're going to do it together. So thank you for saying that. And I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think in my coaching, uh, that is one of the biggest things um, that confuses me. How could you not have confidence when I'm, I'm not tearing you down? I'm not doing that. I don't do that. That I don't, I, I wasn't raised like that. Um, so only you're stopping you. If you're being stopped, it's you and what's going on in your head. Because Coach Tris is trying to be the fan. You know, so um, all I could say to that is we work on things consistently so that repetition helps them build confidence. And um, I don't know how what happens when one shot doesn't go and I revert back because I'm going to shoot that thing to that mug go in. <laughs> That's how I'm gonna get my confidence. I I love the coaching style. You you balance out the basketball department because Coach Bolton he he kind of crazy. He (laughs) that's so true. Now now, now you you turn around. You saying some. You saying some lighthearted. He turn and say, "Man, these young boys crazy, man." (laughs) (laughs) That sound like them. That's how these young kids crazy. Um, so I think think it's a good balance. Your your style is perfect. Thank you, man. Thank you, thank you. Here it is. My style might be great, but he winning. So I want to win. So if I got to flip it a little bit and be moatenish on them, I'm about to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you get, like I said, like, like I said earlier, your program is improving, though. You know what I mean? Like you're doing what when you build a program, that's what you, your goal is to improve, and you're doing that. You know what I mean? So I feel like you 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 you're, you're almost there. Like to be honest well, with you, I think- thank you, man. But you know, I, I I'm a little impatient because <laughs> I, I wouldn't be who I am if I'm settling for a ten year plan. I'm right. trying. I'm trying to get it done. Like I do say that we were, we're still, we've been on a steady incline. So Uh statistically, uh, individually as a team, all of that fan wise, all that has grown. Uh Um, But again, I think one of the reasons why I was hired by a former AD athletic uh, director, Dr. Wicker McCree is because she saw in me what I'm capable of doing. So she brought me here to do it. I want to do it now. Like Uh my my first year, our mindset and I'm, um, our motto was now. Like, what are, what are we waiting for? There is nothing to wait. What's crazy is 
Oh, Deion Sanders tried to say that the other day with his program. I was like, man, I said that at Central seven years ago. <laughs> He's a yes. thief, thief. He's a thief. thief. Stop thief. <laughs> no, thief. <laughs> man, no, and now it's all big. Like, I'm like, I said that in, in Durham, North Carolina. <laughs> uh, but but we're doing it. So I kudos for you for knowing and seeing the baby steps and the progress. And I get a lot of I get a lot of support from from lifelong fans that have seen us turn this program around. But in all honesty, I don't want any complacency. I don't want anybody saying, oh, this is the best year you ever had you good. And we sitting back. No, because I'm still looking at four games that I'm mad about. We should have won. We should have had 19 wins. So COVID, I mentioned COVID. We were right there. That was my year two or year three. About to win a turn, about to win a yeah. turnaround. I promise you we're about to win that thing because we had yeah. knocked off teams we weren't supposed to, A T three times, and we were right there. Then we took a setback. I mean, I mean, unfortunately, the university took a hit, athletic department, just COVID in general, so kind of slow rolled us back to where we are now. Uh-huh. But I expected us to be where we are a few years ago. Uh-huh. To be honest with you. So I, I'm impatient right now, uh, which I shouldn't be, but that's a personal thing. Yeah. You're raising the whole profile of the conference too. That that's what I love as uh, well. The New York is going stronger and stronger. Oh, thank you, guys. I'm here thank for it. Real talk. Like uh, it's multiple uh, teams, including your team. Definitely. Ah, uh, nice. I know you're rooting for the shore, but <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, yeah, I'm just saying. Fred Bash is my guy though. So yeah. I, I root for him too when we're not playing him. Look, one thing right now would be like meeting all, all the coaches, like well, most of the coaches, right? Uh that we've enjoyed all of, I think all of you all are just mm-hmm. great people, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, from what oh, we've like, what we've done. So now we I got think- love, we got love for everybody. And again, we went, we went to UMES, and, and this is a long time ago. I mm-hmm. mean, we was there. <laughs> I was, I was there in the nineties. I mean, we both were. Um, yeah. So, um, so you guys have seen it grow. Yeah, yeah. yeah so exactly. You got that hometown proud. Home there you go. I mean, the yeah. Central wasn't in the MEAC when we were there. So, yeah, were, yeah. I mean, the MEAC at the time was like Howard and Coppin, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just being real in terms of <laughs> State, too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, basically, it was those two. Yeah, when we was there, basically. I mean, if you, if you be Howard, it was homecoming celebrations. Yeah. Yeah, off, so. I yeah. I mean, so so now to see kind of just the programs growing, I mean, it's so dope, man, for real. Like, this is just coming from somebody who's been watching for a long time. Oh, man, uh, thank well, you. It's, it's genuine. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. I love it. I feel that. I feel that. We <laughs> uh, we can honestly and pridefully say that we, we beat everybody in the conference this year. At least split with them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Swept a couple, except for, I think we did not beat Morgan State. Which was which bothers me. <laughs> it just bothers me. Man, but, but uh, but so we got we got in house goals and we've got realistic ones. I think uh-huh. I think we'll end this season very enter the season uh-huh. with with uh some realistic expectations that I expect us to fulfill. My bad, Wole. Real quick, I want to ask you one more thing. Before yeah, sure. You go. Um. Knowing your background and, and the connections you have, does that make scheduling easier for you outside of conference? Oh, good that's point. A great good, question. That, that's a good question. It's a real good question. That's a very good question. <laughs> um, I think it makes it easier just because I can pick the phone up and call somebody or have my coaches, you know, call call my person, call my uh-huh. guy or my girl. Um, but as the program gets better and people kind of don't want to play us. Yeah. They shoot me to the voicemail a little bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> Like, wait, hey, what? <laughs> listen, see, that's what hey, I'm talking I, about. 
That's so messed up. When I, when I first got here, I had first year Oregon State. They went to the Final Four that year. I, I, I mean, we we could have had anybody, anybody we wanted here, and they came here. Now they're not even really answering me like that. <laughs> so, I'm telling, I'm telling you, Ole, it's real. I seen a coach. I ain't gonna say who, but this person showed me a text message like, I'm keeping this coach on ice because I ain't trying to play them. I ain't trying to get upset by no squad that you know. I'm like, dang. <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's something Lavelle Moton told me, like, in the beginning when he came. You know, he's, he's been my guy, really. He's been uh, my guy. He's been helpful, just educating me with how things work, how things go, mindsets, helping me to not be frustrated about some things and be proud of my my little successes. But that's one thing, like, um, I came here wanting everybody to understand to get a Power 5 team, Final 4 bound, Sweet 16 bound team to come to our HBC. That's huge. Like I can do that with a phone call and we get to compete and I get to expose my young ladies to something different. Um, but he also said like um, he had early in his early years, he was playing teams that, you know, low key, he would get the win again. And he, they don't, they not calling him anymore uh. because it's a, it's a lose, lose for them. They, they, it's a lose, lose. You uh. beat them. If they beat us to death. They're supposed to. Yes. If they don't beat us to death, they're trash. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, true. so they don't they don't have any um, motivation, really. Um, so I do appreciate the teams that, you know, allow us to compete. And, you know, there are guaranteed games for don't know people that don't know. You know, some yeah. people are committed to, you know, the power fives playing us to be able to give us some money for our department, compete, give us exposure. Uh -huh. And they're doing it um, with good reason. And we appreciate those. So. But some are not trying to hear uh, yeah, that the, the politics, I tell you, is something else. I tell you, man. Mm -hmm. I, I tell you. So, Coach, what this I'll wrap it up with this. What does coaching at an HBCU mean to you? It means that someone believed that Trisha Stafford Odom was a person capable of 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 guiding young lives uh in their formulative years. And they entrusted me with being in an environment where people can look up to me, not as just a coach, but as a black woman, uh. married woman with children um, and see how I juggle lives, um, personal, my personal life, my professional life. And they can be inspired to know that, yo, she was a hooper. She's a wife. She got kids. She goes to their games. She's she's a real person. She I could see her walking around. I could get to her. You knock on her door. I don't have to go through a million people to get to her, but uh, I'm real. And um, I think hopefully and prayerfully, I've been some some form of inspiration to some people, not just young ladies, but men too, to say, oh, she, she kind of nice. Because <laughs> Trish is all right. So um, I'm proud as well. I missed the first several years of my life being at a PWI, which I don't regret, but I understand why people have committed to to furthering their education and to being in the midst of an environment of an HBCU because, because there's nothing like it. Well, coach, you have a fan here now. Like that, oh, you're a fan. Well, like, I was already a fan like that day, but now it is, it's, it's, I ain't gonna lie. It's been up now. I ain't gonna hold you. It's been up now. So it's a whole different level now. I ain't gonna lie. Well, I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. Y'all gonna be back at the games this year. Where you gonna be? We probably we're gonna be at the shore definitely. I gotta be y'all gotta be like right by me now. Y'all gotta be like <laughs> I need yeah, that we, in my we, life. We, we, you know we what? Make round, you know, we make the rounds everywhere. You know we do. We will. We'll, we'll make the rounds. 
And I, I have to compliment you guys because obviously prior to doing the show and a couple of days ago, I, I went on and I watched a couple of the uh, podcasts and I'm like, they are, they are fire. Energetic. <laughs> I love it. Like, Thank I don't want to be here like this. <laughs> oh no, nah, we, we yeah, we ain't about that life. Nah, <laughs> man, we, we we had fun doing this, but yeah, you know, we got to make the rounds. That's the that's the hard part. I mean, yeah, we, I we, don't, we don't even live close to UMES. Uh, honestly, that's a drive. Don't. It's a drive. Really? Closest, the closest HBC to us is well, technically V one is Howard, so that's Howard. where that's where I cover a lot of games. So I'll see you there probably. That's and, uh, fair. Yeah, I understand that. As long as you sit closer to my side, then you do ties, Coach Ty. <laughs> then you, we, we pinky swear on that. Then we good. I <laughs> think us right here. This is cool. You want to yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yes. I, love it. Yes. I love it. Well, Coach, is there anything you would like to add before we let you go? No, I just, um, like I said, don't forget that when you guys are doing this and you're pumping us up, that I respect what you guys are doing. It's fun. It's exciting. Um, it's exposure. And like I said, you have done your job. You're not just a couple of guys on here chopping it up, having fun um, and laughing, but you've done your job. So I respect it. I just thank you guys for inviting and having me. Thank you. And thank you for being on HBCU Corner with Urban Sports. And we appreciate it. Much love. Eagle pride. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it.